Welcome to Tilly's Trans Tuesdays. There's something that drastically changed for me from pre-transition to now, and I think it holds true for the majority of trans people, if not all of us. So let's talk about confidence. Hi, I'm Tilly Bridges, your host, and I'm joined by my writing partner, my best friend, my wife, our token cis representation, the loving constant in my ever-changing universe, Susan Bridges. Wow, that's too nice. You should be mean. I should be mean to you? Yeah. That's not how you should, you shouldn't be mean to the person you're married to. Let's not further it perpetuate that. You're ruining my reputation. As a, as a tough girl? Yeah. Okay, you're still tough. I didn't say you weren't tough. All right. Okay. Our returning guest is Leo Wright, an AFAB non-binary artist and activist based in Houston, Texas. Welcome back, Leo. Hello again. <laughs> okay, so I want to ask you this time about being an artist, particularly about being a drag performer, because drag is really cool and great, but I think you're the first trans or non-binary person I know who also does drag, and what is that like? It's been interesting. <laughs> the bar that I've primarily performed at, which I've been taking a break currently, but my performances were at a lesbian bar okay. here in Houston called Pearl, which sadly there's not many lesbian bars left. They are exceptionally welcoming of trans people in general, but also one of the hosts is trans himself and focuses on, you know, non-white or non-able-bodied or non-cis people for performing because oftentimes people who are not those things are not welcome to perform in a lot of places yeah so it is nice to have a space where people can kind of express themselves in that way without feeling judged <laughs> yeah absolutely like queer people and the queer community is not immune to also having its own biases you know like i we did that episode not that long ago of this show we're talking about intersectionality because there's a, a real problem with a lot of white trans women who are very racist and and stuff so that definitely still permeates through the queer community but the one thing i, I actually really wanted to ask to you about is like the thing i can't fathom about it is that mm -hmm. i felt like for my whole life, I was wearing a costume and pretending to be a gender. I wasn't because that's what I was told I had to do. So the thought mm. now of doing that on top of who I really am finally getting to be myself is like incomprehensible to me. Is that really weird? <laughs> yeah. Like, how, what is that like? You know, it's funny because when I had first heard him announce like, oh, I, I'm taking AFAB performers. Like if anybody wants to audition, when I heard that, I was like, wow, I never thought that like I would be allowed to do drag, you know? Yeah. And I kind of had expected without, you know, asking him because I am a little socially inept. So I didn't think to just ask him up front, oh, what kind of costuming performing do you guys normally do that I haven't seen yet, you know? And I showed up in full, you know, cis gay man style 
traditional drag. Okay. To which he was actually, it was actually a funny story. He got confused and he was like, I don't remember letting a cis man perform for the AFAB performance. I don't remember making an exception. So he asked me, he took me aside. He asked me, are you, are you cis? And I was like, oh no. <laughs> Cause I, you know, I was basically unrecognizable and yeah. it had been a minute. So he didn't, he didn't remember. So that was, that was interesting for me, but it, it, it was it felt silly to me the first time because I did have padding and all sorts of other things on because I don't have what I would call a hyper feminine body to begin with. Okay. My, my first puberty was pretty delicate. <laughs> so I had a lot of padding on and I was like, well, this kind of really feels very much like a theatrical character to me. So it, it didn't feel uncomfortable gender wise, I guess. Okay. So to speak. It kind of felt like I was going on stage to do like an acting role or something like I was playing a uh -huh. part. So it was kind of yeah. like I was separating it from myself a bit. So it was a little uncomfortable at first, but as I went on and kind of understood, like, it's not really the clothing for me that is making me uncomfortable because I don't really perceive clothing in a gendered way per se. Sure. So the, the more I did it and the, the more time has passed, the more comfortable I got kind of being like, oh, you know, this is totally fine for me. Like, I don't mind this at all. I, I don't really separate it as like a character anymore either. I'm just like, oh, this is just me in a costume. So it, be, it became easier with time. <laughs> okay, yeah, that makes sense. But the thing that I, I still can't comprehend is that like, I've only dressed up once for Halloween since coming out. And even that I was just like, dressed in 80s clothes. It wasn't even like really a I costume. I know. And <laughs> but so like the thought of putting any kind of a costume on i don't know it just gives me these weird feelings though. it's like wearing any costume right because it's like i spent so long in a costume i hated trying to be a person i didn't want to be that like any thought of going back to that makes me feel weird even if it was like oh you're gonna be in a play and you just this is your costume on stage or whatever i'd be like i don't know i don't know if i can do that so i don't <laughs> i guess You've done an on stage thing though have you what do you mean I mean, I know you were in theater in like high school. No, I just did. You just like backstage. tech crew so backstage. I couldn't be on stages in in then because I didn't want everyone to see me in my bad boy costume. You know, I get it. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, I can't even fathom what that would be like. I don't know. Intentionally putting a costume over my true self after so long feels strange. But clearly, you enjoy it, Theo. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've always enjoyed like just art and different kinds of art, including sure. performing. I did enjoy theater periodically in, in back in grade school, but I just, I feel like maybe, I'm trying to articulate exactly what it is. I, I guess the progression of getting used to it, part of that for me meant like trying to bring my personality into the performance so that I would not have to separate myself as, oh, just like a character in a costume. I right. had to be like, this is me, in a dress or this is me in a suit or whichever kind of performance I was doing. I was like, this is just me wearing clothes and mm -hmm. I'm going to perform this, this musical number as if like, oh, I'm just me. I'm not, I'm not a character unless that is what the, you know, I, I did play like a, a cartoon character for like a Disney performance once kind of, but like other than that, it was still just kind of me. So it was kind of just mentally, mentally acknowledging like, oh, I'm not, I'm not playing a character anymore like I used to. This is just me wearing different outfits as myself, I guess, right. if that makes any sense. <laughs> it does. Maybe 
maybe one day I'll get there. I don't know. But we'll see. <laughs> it, um, it, it took a long time. <laughs> for you, what has been the most surprising thing about your transition? I mean, there's a lot of surprising things, but I feel like the biggest thing was, you know, to start with, I did not actually identify as non-binary. Okay. I did a lot of the... So it's been going on four years now for me transitioning. At the start, I feel like a lot of the information I was getting easy access to about trans people and transitioning on the internet, even just a few years ago, was is super limited compared to what it is now. Like, I feel like a lot of the social circles were very binary. Yeah. Um, it was very much like, if you're a trans man, then you have to be a trans man. Like, you're a man now. You have to do these things. This is what you need to do to pass. This is, you know, it was like a checklist of things. Like, this yeah. is how you do this. And it felt very... I, I felt like, oh, well, this is how it has to be then, right? Like, so that's how that's how people do this. Of course, I want to be more masculine in certain aspects. So for me, the, my biggest dysphoria was my voice and just that that was mostly it. You know, it's voice and chest for me mostly. So I was like, well, you know, whatever happens, happens. I'm going to start and I'm going to go with this and I'm going to try my best. And I over time i was just kind of like this kind of just this still feels a little wrong it it the what the testosterone was doing was fine you know like nothing yeah nothing was jarring to me or upsetting like hormonally transitioning for me has been a breeze as far as like enjoying it you know but mentally i was just kind of like something something's off i don't i don't know i just feel like i'm just you know going from one box to another and that doesn't feel right either. I was like, yeah. I don't feel like a cis man sort of like, you know, in society sort of vibe. So I was like, well, what is that? You know, and I just kind of like sat with that for a long time until I started seeing more and more people come out. And I, I know you might have been privy to this circle online of people being very, what's the word for it? I can't remember what they were calling people. Trans trenders. That was the gag where they were goofing on non-binary people or very like ambiguously presenting people that were trans at the time. And oh, I do no, mean I trans not... and cis people both. I had I've not heard seen that, that term before. <laughs> and if I did, I would have been so mad about it. Yes. So, yeah. so I, I watch a lot of YouTube and a lot of yeah. the YouTubers that I had been first introduced to, I ended up not liking fairly quickly. So like we're talking Blair White, Calvin Guerra, these sorts of like very binary, very aggressive trans medicalist trans people Ooh. and those were the people i was met with to start you know and so i was <laughs> yeah. kind of like wow this doesn't feel good you know like something's, no. something's wrong here and like the more people i saw them making fun of that were presenting in a way that i was like i i don't know why they're making fun of this person i feel like yeah. there's nothing wrong with this person they're just minding their business and living their life you know what i mean yeah and and so i looked i sought those people out and I started understanding like, oh, like I, I feel that way as well. I also do not enjoy being binary. So I eventually understood like, okay, well, I am accepting the fact that I am non-binary and I don't, I don't necessarily identify with binary gendered perception of me at all. <laughs> so I feel like that was pretty surprising for me because I, I just wasn't expecting it. Yeah. So it, it's it's been interesting because I, I feel like things are much better now as far as accepting non-binary people in the community. Yeah. But we are still like the biggest laughing point for cis people using us as like the gag for trans people. Like, oh, this is 
this person's oh look they, they have a full beard and they're wearing a dress and i'm like that that person's non-binary and even if they weren't like i don't know why you care so they're it's just like yeah. it's easier to mock people that are not fitting into one or the other and so i, I feel like it's just been kind of like it was really hard to come to terms with at first <laughs> yeah it there's a, a bad trend in society you know that if you don't conform to whatever preconceived notions people have then you know they punish you for it and again the, the trans community is not immune to that unfortunately very sadly yeah i i i've been toying with for a long time doing a trans tuesday on trans medicalists because they're so bad and wrong but i don't want to just rant for 20 minutes <laughs> either so maybe i'll find a a more intellectual way to approach it at some point but they really piss me off so i mean and there's still kind of that thing against you know bisexual people yeah too like right. it's yes. kind of similar where it's it is like, i don't yeah. understand yeah or and uh, just really quickly for folks listening, if you don't know about trans medicalists, they're basically like people who say you're not really trans if you don't get every surgery and take all of the hormones and you have to do X, Y, and Z, or you're not a trans person, or you're you know you're not valid, and it's all that's all bullshit, and I hate it so much. You can do or not do whatever you want, and you can still be trans if you say you are. Don't don't you ever forget that, people. All right, so Leo, what's one piece of advice that you would give to people who are just starting their transition? I feel like the one of the most important things I feel like is to kind of take it easy and and be nice to yourself, you know, <laughs> because it's just the whole process is very mind flipping, I guess, you know, yeah. for lack of a kinder way to say that <laughs> it's, it's very, it's very difficult. And I feel like for any trans people, but particularly young trans people, like you're already having a hard enough time kind of navigating the world and in a way that's like oh you're transitioning from childhood to adulthood for teenagers things like that like yeah. it, everything is very difficult already the world is hard to live in already and when you add something like being trans onto it it can make it it can make it scarier it can make it harder and it's just you just have to you have to be firm in who you think you are who you want to be learn to stand up for yourself just know that you you need to be who you need to be. And if you're not hurting anybody, then that's allowed, you know? Absolutely. Very well said. And I forgot to ask you this last time, but I want to be sure we get it in now that for the folks who are listening afterwards, if they would like more Leo, where can they find you online? I have an art Instagram and it is Leonardo de Vagrant, like Leonardo da Vinci, <laughs> but Vagrant. <laughs> Wonderful. And I also have a drag account on Instagram and that is newt as in like the salamander underscore vulgaris <laughs> fabulous you should do that because Leo is awesome we have been internet friends <laughs> for a while right okay so all the way back when I was a wee little Tilly who did not yet know she was Tilly I suffered from an incredibly strong and almost painful shyness my mom always told me I was just shy and that's all there was to it but then her preferred method of dealing with things was to never really probe beneath the surface and being transgender is all, all about probing beneath the surface to find what's really underneath and why. And now, in addition to reminding you how I do not speak for all trans people or all trans women, I want to explicitly state that a lot of people are shy for reasons that have absolutely nothing to do with being transgender. I'm no psychologist, but it seems pretty clear that it can be caused by any number of things. And some people are probably very happy and content to be shy, and that's all wonderful. I'm trying to figure out why I specifically was shy, which ties into my transness. 
My earliest memory of being shy was being in my mom's arms. I don't know how old I was, but I must have been small for her to still be carrying me. We were outside. I think it was at a relative's house, and she was talking to the lady who lived next door. And this lady was just enamored with my eyelashes because they were so long, and she kept saying how she wished she had eyelashes like that and jokingly asked if she could steal them. And let me tell you, yes, they are very long, and you should be jealous. But I kept turning away from her, burying my head in my mom's shoulder. I didn't want to look at her. I have this intense memory of just wishing she'd stop talking to me and stop looking at me. And she wasn't being mean or cruel. I just could not stand the attention. So, Leo, I wanted to ask you, has attention of any kind been, like, anxiety-inducing for you, like it was for me? Incredibly. (laughs) So, I, I have actually quite bad generalized anxiety disorder. I I do take meds for it and they help me immensely. But prior to me being on medication recently for that, my whole life, it caused me a lot of grief. And socially that tied in because I, being the way that I am and kind of just being like, oh, I should be able to look how I want or dress how I want or do what I want, you know, like who cares, right? Who cares what I look like? It presented in a way of people perceiving me as looking odd. Sure. And I've always gotten a little too much attention for my comfort my whole life. And so the way that that translated eventually to me getting older, teenage years especially, it got worse because just the amount of negative attention I was getting and and me not understanding at the time, like my vocal dysphoria made me come across as quite shy, things like that. It, It was just a terribly uncomfortable experience. So definitely just full ride anxiety the whole time. And (laughs) having the dysphoria, not knowing what it was, definitely compounded on that. Yeah, yeah. That shy feeling has followed me my entire life and never left until it did after I transitioned. I am Mm -hmm. much, much more open and willing to talk to people now and not just sit in silence. And it's because I'm more comfortable in my own body. I don't have that layer of having to pretend to be someone you know, that's blocking myself from the world, which is ironic because now that some certain men are seeing me as a woman, hooray, they're instantly interrupting and talking over me and or repeating something I just said as if it were their own idea. And come on, dudes, really? I have to say, I still laugh when that (laughs) happens. Like, it's good they actually see me as a woman, but enough to treat me in the sexist way they treat all other women. It's a very mixed bag. (laughs) But if you want to see my newfound confidence in action, you can see the Trans Tuesday on Into the Unknown, a.k.a. A Whole New World, a.k.a. What is Happening, when I got to truly experience the world as myself and was surprised to discover what a different experience it was. What's very important for you to understand at this point is how difficult it was for me to deal with not wanting to be seen for my entire life pre-transition. High school speech class was a nightmare. Family parties were torturous. Even friends' parties were torturous. I wanted to go because these are people I care about very much. And yet I'd get there and I'd hide in a corner and feel mostly miserable. And I can feel it welling up inside me now, that exact same feeling, that sense memory is so strong. Wait, though, before we move on, I'm hearing Leo may be experiencing the opposite, like people suddenly listen. Now that they see you as a Oh, man. from people talking over me when they saw me as a woman. Yeah. I want- Have people given more weight to your opinions now, do you think? Unfortunately, I do believe so. And it's it's kind of hard for me to tell. I honestly I do I do believe part of it is just because I am 
I mean, I'm six foot two. I th are you also six foot two, if I remember? Oh, right? wow. I Well, that's very good memory. I was six foot two, <laughs> but HRT has shrunk me a bit. And now I'm six foot and one half inch. So. Oh, nice. <laughs> but it's, part of that you probably know is is that kind of commands sometimes unwanted attention. Yeah. But it, part of that is the equation of, oh, I'm very large. And then you add on to my voice is much deeper now. And then you add yeah. on the fact that people perceive me as masculine, as a cis man. I think that that has something to do with it for sure. But I think also just the fact that I do speak much much louder now i am getting i'm still kind of getting used to just being more outspoken vocally yeah because i'm just so used to writing things you know like a, the advocacy online and things like that i'm so used to putting my thoughts into words and literature form you know that i'm not used yeah. to speaking as much as i have been in recent years and i'm still getting used to to knowing how to articulate brain to mouth <laughs> but yeah, it's yes hard, definitely right? people have paid writing attention. is so much easier you get time to think about what you want to say and the best way to say it and when you have to say the words with your mouth it's so much harder yes <laughs> for sure well as an aside this is also something that directly shows up in the matrix and of course if you are listening you know i wrote a whole book about those films trans allegories and it's called begin transmission and you probably already know that but i'm never going to shut up about it so get your copy today <laughs> But I was constantly on edge. If someone I didn't already know talked to me, oh God, I'd have to respond. And I didn't know how or what to say. And what if I gave something away to both them and myself about my true self and then I was exposed for the whole world to see? It was harrowing. And what I want you to take from this is if before I transitioned, we've ever met or worked together, had lunch, or even more so become actual friends, I had to work through all of that, constantly fighting dysphoria and myself because I thought you were worth it. The first time I met Susan in person, I drove 300 miles to where she was going to college. We met online writing Star Trek fan fiction. And yes, if you know us, that's probably not surprising. But when I got there, I drove around her dorm like two or three times. There was plenty of parking, mind you, but my heart was jumping out of my chest. I couldn't even think clearly. And yes, part of this was that we'd already been talking for months and I knew that I loved her. But it wasn't rejection I was worried about. She was excited to see me. I knew that. I was excited. Yeah, but I didn't know if I could handle it in person. Again, because of this huge wall between me and the rest of the world around me. And I never wanted anyone to break through that wall as much as her. For more on how dysphoria kept me from people and the world for my entire life, see the Trans Tuesday all about it. And you can see the Trans Tuesday on Freeing Up My Brain, aka Lunch with Tilly, for more on how the entire world opened up to me once dysphoria dissipated. But you can also see the Trans Tuesday on that old dysphoric feeling, a.k.a. transphobia is always with us, for ways in which, even now, anything remotely similar to old dysphoric experiences can bring back the dysphoria sense memory and cause problems. So what was your experience with dysphoria like, Leo? Did, did you feel like it kept you from being able to connect with people that you cared about? I do feel like it did pretty frequently, especially in my teenage years and onward. Yeah. Um, it was just kind of like, uh, as you, the thing is, if you're AFAB and you are kind of being conditioned to like be a certain way into adulthood, that transition uh -huh. is, is really challenging <laughs> because yeah. you're expected to now you're, oh, you're a, you're an adult woman and this is what adult women do. And this is how they dress and this is how they stand and this is how they talk and this is how yep. they walk. And it, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a whole thing. <laughs> 
I, I just felt like I was spending so much of my energy on like how I looked, how I sounded, how I presented myself, how I gesticulated, how I spoke. It was just, there were too many layers for me to focus on for me to really be a person, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so like it, I couldn't, I couldn't express my personality when there were so many other layers kind of weighing down on me over the top of it. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. I had the, the same issue. Like every time I would interact with someone, I'd have to be like, well, is this how a man would respond and how a man or a, a boy or whatever, you know, would act. And are they going to, if I don't do it right, are they going to see something's wrong? Am I going to see something's wrong and have to confront myself? And what would happen if I, it was, yeah. It would freeze up all, all the time. Cause it was like, it's exactly like you said, Leo, there was so much to think about and remember how to play this part that you didn't want to play that it just, it keeps you from having any kind of real connection or experience in, in a really like human, genuine way. So I, I totally mm. feel that. Yeah. It, it is like playing a part for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you're an actor that can't quite remember your lines all the time. <laughs> yeah. You're like, who is this? Who am I supposed to be? I don't, I don't know this person. I don't like this person. I don't want to be them. You know? Yeah. I mean, you couldn't even like tell a waitress you had raw chicken. Oh no. We're going to, uh, I'm going to talk about that a little bit. Oh, you are. Well, not that specific example, but how I, yeah. like okay. it was, really we'll get bad. there. Okay. Okay, so back when I drove to see Susan for the first time, after I parked at her dorm, I was shaking as I walked over. She was on her way down, and I was just going to leap out of my skin. I didn't know what to do with myself. But I fought through it. I stabbed my flight response in the face because she was worth it to me. And to everyone out there I had any kind of relationship with prior to coming out, you were important enough for me to fight through the fear, too. But there's more to this whole not wanting to be seen thing. I had the remarkably bad luck my entire life to be the one who was always forgotten. It wasn't really bad luck, though, because that'd be a weird thing to follow me around all my life without some kind of concrete cause. I was picked last for every game or sport or competition or anything through all of school. Now listen, I certainly wasn't the best at, at everything, but I was pretty damn good at a lot of things. Didn't matter. Almost always last. And a lot of times it wasn't intentional. They'd just forget that I was there. Even in organized Little League, when my stepdad wasn't the coach anyway. Oh, you didn't get a team? Huh, that's weird. When I was probably around 10 years old, I went on a fishing trip with my friend's church. The adults helped make sure every kid caught a fish, except for one. Guess who they forgot? I'd be the person at restaurants that the server just forgot to ever bring the food for. Once in high school, I went to a fast food place with friends, and they all got their food, sat down, and finished eating before I'd even gotten mine. I was just standing at the counter waiting. Everyone ignored me. Everyone. And yes, I could have spoken up and politely asked if my order was coming soon. But then the shyness would hit because then they'd be looking at me and talking to me. And I'd have to put the facade up and figure out how to navigate it. And again, even something as simple as that terrified me and made me want to crawl into a hole and hide for the rest of my life. In my long journey of self-discovery, I realized that the reason I was always forgotten is because I'd learned to adapt to my inability to cope with being seen by finding ways to make myself as small as possible. And I don't mean only physically, although that was certainly part of it too. If I slouched and half-hid behind a wall or sat alone in the corner, if I didn't make eye contact, people would ignore me and I wouldn't have to deal with it. Usually I didn't even realize I was doing it. It was a subconscious coping mechanism I'd developed to protect me from the awful feelings every interaction would bubble up inside of me. 
Have you ever looked back, Leo, uh, and seen that you were making yourself small or more unnoticeable or trying to hide even subconsciously from things that brought up all those bad feelings? Yes, for sure. I think for a long time, I thought it was just because of my size, because I I grew yeah. to be about six foot, basically over a summer almost. It was, it was over one year and it was in middle school. So I've just been, oh, I've just wow. been this tall forever. <laughs> and, and things obviously in middle school are made for middle school sized people. Yeah. And everything was just a little bit too, a little bit too small, a little too uncomfortable. And I always thought, oh, it's my size. You know, I, and people would be like, oh, you're clumsy. Like, you, you know, you're doing this, you're doing that. You're making too much noise. It, it was a big deal. You know, like people basically telling you, oh, you're a bull in a China cabinet, like dial yeah. it down. <laughs> and so like, I felt like, oh, that was the only part of the issue. But obviously in recent years, I've been like, oh no, it, it wasn't just that it was part of it socially especially into adulthood was like dealing with womanhood like dealing yeah. with having to be a woman and socially you're just expected to make yourself small mm -hmm. smaller than anybody you yeah know? it kind of just beat down into this the sense of like oh you're not allowed to yell too loud or be too expressive or too wild or gesticulate too eccentrically or you know yep. take up a lot of space things like that so it, it was it was a lot of gender stuff lumped in with just body size things so I, I always did feel mentally and physically like I had to take up less space take up less space and I've only yeah. just probably in the past like year started to get used to just kind of being normal about it I guess like just yeah. existing in the space that I take up and that's allowed for people Exactly. The paradox that I had of making myself somewhat invisible is it killed me to not be seen. I wanted to be seen as myself so very badly, but at the same time, oh God, don't look at me or talk to me or I have to play cisgender man again. And to not even know that that's what that feeling was or why I was feeling it added an extra layer of confusion and awfulness on top of everything. I didn't know why I was like that and I wished so hard I wasn't, but I had no idea what to do about it. It was such an awful spot to find myself in, wanting people to get close, but not knowing how to let them. I was actively keeping myself from forming close friendships or making it exponentially harder on myself, and they were what I craved so much. It was such a lonely, isolating experience. And again, I did have friends as a kid, and I do now, and again, please know how important you are to me that I fought through all of that for you. But that wall was always there, and I was alone on the inside. It's like there's a void inside you, but also all around you. It's really difficult to explain. It was horrible to experience and I wouldn't wish it on anyone. But I don't feel afraid to talk to people anymore because I don't have to hide anything. I'm just me. It actually excites me. I look forward to it a lot. And that's such a weird feeling that I don't really know how to process. Has your confidence changed with Transition Leo? Like, well, you, you said you're a little more willing to take up that space now, but do you, do you want to be seen more than you used to because now you're, you're who you really are? Yes. It's been a really hard adjustment. Yeah. Mentally <laughs> to just kind of allow myself to just go places and do things and talk to people how I should have always spoken to them because it, I just, I feel like I dampened my personality yeah. for so many years that I just kind of, I had to kind of start over almost for like understanding, like, is that, is any of that who I was? Am I a completely yeah. different person? I have no idea. So it's just been like, I guess, I guess in a way that's what part of the, the good part of 
transitioning during COVID was, is it allowed a lot of reflection. So I feel like that kind of sped me through it a little bit more. I probably wouldn't be this far ahead had I been thrust into the world as it was pre-COVID transitioning, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I guess uh, Susan would confirm this, that since transitioning, I am much more me than I ever was. I'm I'm a lot to deal with. You are a lot. Okay. That's <laughs> I mean, a lot. You were always like way more chatty on the internet. Yeah. But like, I think it, it's an interesting thing because we do have like a number of friends that knew you before yeah. you transitioned. But in a lot of ways, it's also like starting over mm -hmm. and being like, okay, is everyone going to accept this? Yeah. And... It's weird too for me. I mean, like yeah. work-wise, like now I'm like, do I mention I have a wife? Like it's different because I was just playing straight. Like no one really knew. Well, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. So it is like feeling like you have to go through all your relationships again and be like, are they still okay? Yeah. We where are we? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I noticed something else that ties in with all of this, too, and it's a small thing, but it's absolutely a symptom of this entire thing with not wanting to be seen and not having any confidence at all and all the ways that's all changed now. I never, ever signed my emails with my name if I could avoid it. I used a couple weird nicknames at first, and okay, that probably makes sense, tying into how my old name wasn't me and gave me bad feelings. But shortly thereafter, it evolved into only a single lowercase j. That was it. I could live with that. Any of you who received emails from me pre-transition, go look if you still have them. 95% chance that's at the bottom of them. I can see you nodding from here. Once someone asked me why I used a lowercase j instead of a capital J. Well, hey, good question. Why would I? I didn't have an answer other than the capital J felt pretentious. Why the heck would the capitalized letter of my first name, which actually should be capitalized, feel pretentious for me to use? Because I felt I didn't deserve it. Because that wasn't me. And again, not every way of making myself smaller and less noticeable in the world was physical. So I went with the lowercase version because that felt closer to the quote-unquote me than the capital. But look, sometimes this stuff is so obvious it's kind of embarrassing you never saw it before. And if you'd like to see an extra embarrassing way this happened, check out the Trans Tuesday on The Signs Were Always There That We Were Trans, episode 6 of this show. So hey friends, if you have recent emails for me, post coming out, go see how I signed them. For the rest of you, here we go. Are you ready? Sure you are. We all know what's coming. I immediately changed to signing them with a capital T. That was entirely subconscious, I assure you. I didn't intend to do it, it just happened almost immediately. It kind of blew my mind. Thanks for being here, Leo. Thanks for having me. Here I am, taking up space in the world. You can see me. Please see me. It's been so long alone. Hi, hello, I adore you, and you mean the world to me. And I'm deserving of the space I take up in the world, and a capital letter of my real name, just like everyone else. Tilly Bridges and Transmission. Tilly's Trans Tuesdays is hosted by Tilly Bridges and Susan Bridges, with audio editing and sound mixing by Julian Morgan. Special thanks to Daisy and Jane for the use of Sorry Not Sorry as our show's theme music. Please stop by and show your support at daisyandjane.bandcamp.com and soundcloud.com slash daisyandjane. You can find me at Tilly Bridges on Twitter and Hive, on Mastodon at tillybridges at mastodon.social, at facebook.com slash tillysbridges, 
and on Insta at Heck Yeah Tilly Bridges. And you can find Susan on all of those at Susan L. Bridges. The Google Doc and social media versions of this week's topic and all past topics are available at TillysTransTuesdays.com. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening. 